So last year, because it was 2020, and preachers can't avoid a good pun, and being the only time in history that we could make all the 2020 vision puns, uh, preachers everywhere did. Having no idea what 2020 was going to be, we did all these sermons on vision and and were very presumptuous. And I would say, to seal that up... (laughs) uh, Hindsight is 2020. Um, my brother-in-law got me a, a calendar. It's a satirical calendar. Uh, it's a, one of those rip-off ones. And uh, the one for today, being the third, it says, everybody you know has already broken their resolutions. So, <laughs> uh, and that kind of works into a little bit of what we're talking about um, What did you do at the end of the year? Or as things got closer to the end of the year, we all posted memes. Well, not we, I didn't. But uh, a lot of people, you you saw memes of, oh, I can't wait to be done with 2020. And so all those, those lessons of being presumptuous that we should have probably learned in 2020 about, you know, not knowing what you're talking about when you make all these puns and everything, we forgot. We're so presumptuous that that 2020 was going to end and and everything was going to be different, but but we're into it. No, actually, it's probably going to be a lot the same. We're so, we have great expectation. We're going to do a small series here called Great Expectation. We have such great hopes for 2021, don't you? Uh, People set their... their, uh, uh, their, their New Year's resolutions. They have great expectations for themselves. And when we talk about great expectations, um, that has a, a lot of different ideas where we could go with that. Uh, great expectations uh, might not just be for, for something else. We, we have great expectations for ourselves. I'm going to be able to accomplish. Someone said, uh, you know, uh, past me has a lot of great confidence in present me. <laughs> Uh, and, and sometimes I don't live up to past me's expectations. A uh, great expectation is that, that rags to riches story. Uh, and, and, and sometimes people, they just have great hopes. Uh, or, or maybe we have great hopes in somebody else. We have great expectations for them. Um, and eventually we, that, that great excitement when, when someone reaches a standard that, that you are trying to get them to, and, and, and that is great fulfillment. When you see somebody that you've, you've put a lot of effort into, and, and, and they become, like, they're on their own, and they're doing whatever, right? That, that, that is a great sense of fulfillment, a great expectations. Um, but we're going to talk about something different. We're going to talk about having great expectations of God. Now, when I say that, that might sound strange, and it might sound a little bit disrespectful. So let me explain. There are two basic reasons, probably, or three, however you want to categorize it, that you might feel uncomfortable as I say that. Um, One is, we are used to having great expectations of us, right? Um, In in a lot of ways, naturally and spiritually, uh, but, but... you know, within, within the realm of spirituality, we're used to having great expectations. God has expectations of me. We have moral expectations, don't you? You have, God wants me to be this thing. And so 
so there's that. Then, but when we talk about moral expectations, we're typically talking about kind of like the song we just sung was, was is talking about. You know, God is going to help, uh, basically help me say no to, to stuff I'm not supposed to do. When we talk about moral expectations, that's kind of what we're talking about. There's, uh, I guess we would call virtuous achievements. That, that's also a, wrapped up in spirituality where, where God has things, not just that I want, I'm not supposed to do, but uh, these things that I'm supposed to accomplish. And, and, and God wants me to grow in, in, in a positive way. And so we look at great expectations from, from that perspective. Excuse me. Where did, oh, someone took my water. Okay. That's okay. It was three-week-old water anyway. But... Um, when we look at God from a spiritual perspective and say, I'm going to have expectations of God. It's like, who's going to question God's virtue or morality? So, so that sounds like I'm going to uh, ask God to give an account to me. I've got great expectations of you, God. So, so if that's kind of where you're going, that would be obviously a way that we would be uncomfortable no one wants to question God's morality or achievement. Another reason that uh, we, would, we would maybe feel hesitant to say, I've got great expectations of God. When you have great expectations placed on you, a lot of times those are not really suggested. Right? I have great expectations of you. I mean, it's kind of like a demand. <laughs> I expect you to do something. That's what that word means. And so, um, well, who's going to demand something of God? So, so if I want to try to put those definitions off to the side because that's not what we're going to talk about. I want to define how we're looking at great expectation of God. Um, We want to just kind of boil this down to a generic idea of God's accomplishment. Having a confidence in God's accomplishment and his ability to do so. So we're going to talk today... Uh, about God's greatness. I want to turn to Psalm 68. It's a little bit longer, but we're going to read it. Psalm 68. Thank you. Psalm 68. God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. Let those who hate him flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melts before the fire, so let the wicked perish at the presence of God. Let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. And yes, let them rejoice exceedingly. Sing to God, sing praises to his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds by his name, Yah. And rejoice before him. A father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation. God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity. But the rebellious dwell in a dry land. O oh God, when you went out before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, the earth shook and the heavens also dropped rain at the presence of God. Sinai itself was moved at the presence of God, the God of Israel. You, O oh God, sent a plentiful rain whereby you confirmed your inheritance when it was weary. Your congregation dwelt in it. You, O God, provided from your goodness for the poor. 
The Lord gave the word. Great was the company of those who proclaimed it. Kings of armies flee. Oh, they flee. And she who remains at home divides the spoil. Though you lie down among the sheepfolds, you will be like the wings of the dove covered with silver and her feathers with yellow gold. When the Almighty scattered kings in it, it was white as snow in Zalman. A mountain of God is the mountain of Bashan. A mountain of many peaks is the mountains of Bashan. Why then do you fume with envy, you mountains of many peaks? This is the mountain which God desires to dwell in. Yes, the Lord will dwell in it forever. The chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of thousands. And the Lord is among them as he is in Sinai, as in the holy place. And you have ascended on high. You've led the captivity captive. You've received gifts from among men, even from the rebellious, that the Lord might dwell there. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits, the God of our salvation. The God is the God of salvation. And to God, the Lord, belongs escape from death. But God will wound the head of his enemies The hairy scalp of the one who still goes on in his trespasses. The Lord said, I will bring back from Bashan. I will bring them back from the depths of the sea that your foot may crush them in blood. And the tongues of your dogs may have the portion from your enemies. They have seen your procession, O God, and the procession of my God, my King, in the sanctuary. The singers went in before and the players of instruments followed after. Among them were maidens playing timbrels by Bless God in the congregations, the Lord from the fountains of Israel. There is little Benjamin, their leader, the princes of Judah and their company, the princes of Zebulun and Naphtali. Your God has commanded your strength. Strength, O God, is what you've done for us because at your temple at Jerusalem, kings will bring presents to you, the herds of bulls with the calves of people till everyone submits himself with pieces of silver. Scatter the people who delight in war. Envoys will come out of Egypt. Ethiopia will quickly stretch out her hands to God. Sing to God, you kingdoms of the earth. Oh, sing praises to the Lord, Selah. To him who rides on the heavens of the heavens, which were of old. Indeed, he sends out a voice, a mighty voice. Ascribe strength to God. His excellence is over Israel, and his strength is in the clouds. Oh, God, you are more awesome than your holy places. The God of Israel is he who gives strength and power to his people. Blessed be God. I want to talk about the God of greatness. Throughout the Psalms, and this was just one I just kind of flipped through, and throughout the book of Psalms, you will see just recitations of God's greatness. Just chapters devoted. I think it was 134, His mercy endures forever. And every statement, something God did, and His mercy endures forever. God did this, and His mercy endures forever. And on and on and on. And and so many Psalms were just David or, or some other writer describing the great things that God has done. And you'll find that a lot of them were about the Exodus. That was kind of their their identifying moment, the, the thing they looked to as their great thing in history of, of, of the Jewish people was, was the Exodus. If you turn to the New Testament, <clears throat> you actually see this again, um, but more recitations of history. In Acts chapter 2, Peter stands up and he, he preaches this sermon and it goes through the history of what God has done. And Stephen preaches almost the identical sermon, sim- similar outline, uh, maybe a little bit more detailed uh, in Acts chapter 7. And, and, and so many times people just recited the great things that God did. He is a God of 
greatness. I think sometimes it's, it's good to remind yourself of the things that God has done. There's a song, <clears throat> Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus, and there's a, a statement in there. It says, how I've, Jesus, Jesus, how, how I've proved him, or and or. I mean, how I've proved him. Well, I want to look at that word just a little bit. First uh, Samuel chapter 17. First Samuel 17. Now, this is not a Greek or Hebrew word. The word proved is an is a English word. Uh, but <clears throat> when you and I use the word prove, uh, it means something different today than what the English word used to mean. So when our Bible was translated you know, in, into English, they picked this word proved for a purpose, to, to convey a thought. But because our language has changed in English, we kind of get the uh, uh, not quite accurate idea. It's not the Bible, it's not the Bible translation, it's just English has changed. When you and I use the word prove, we're like, I proved that point. Right? Uh, we, we had a disagreement and I proved that I was right. Or, I, or you proved that you were right. That's the way we use the word prove. And that's not the way uh, the, wor- the word proof, what, what that originally conveyed. And so I want to get kind of the idea here. First Samuel chapter 17. Of course we know that. It's the story of, of, of David Glass. So you might even already know where I'm going. Verse 39 David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk because he had not proved them you have a newer version that says tested that's what that word means and, and so whenever you sing that song Jesus Jesus yeah how I trust you, how I've proved you, or an or. You're singing to Jesus, I have great expectations for you. I'm proving you. I'm testing you. Oh, that sounds a little presumptuous. So every time you sing that, if that idea makes you nervous, you might want to stop and just be quiet for that little part of, of that verse and then kind of continue on. Because that's what the idea in that is. It's not in a disrespectful way. <clears throat> now, this might apply to some of you, and some it might not. But how many of you like to be challenged in your job? Right? Now, some of you just might like to lay low and collect the paycheck. Okay? But at some point in time, you've wanted to show that you can do something. Right? You've, you've wanted, like, give me something. I'm tired of this. I want more. I want to do more. Just, I can handle this. I want to do something. You have had that basic instinct. Why? Maybe, maybe this is something I shouldn't do. Maybe I should not project a human characteristic onto God. Maybe that's a little too presumptuous. But I don't think it is. And I'll, I'll explain why from, from Scripture. But I believe God is the same way. I think God likes to be challenged. Like, give me something. Give me something. Malachi chapter 3. And, and I don't want to preach a different sermon. This is, we're not going to go too far, but there's just one little thing from, from this verse. And it's in a, a different section. It's almost at the very, very end of, of our New Testament. And some of the closing thoughts, there's some kind of complaints that, that God had of, of the people uh, at, at that time. Uh, they, had, they had lots of issues. And, and Malachi just wrote a short book about a few of them. 
But Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10, he's talking about their tithing. We're not going to preach a sermon about tithing. That's not what this is about. But there's just a little thought in here uh, that I want to pull out. He says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there can be food in my houses. And now try me or prove me on this says the Lord hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Now, that is a promise. We've, I've talked about claiming promises that aren't yours. <laughs> so so, so we're not, we're not, I'm not sitting here saying, listen, if, if we tithe here uh, uh, today uh, in the year 2021, uh, that, that, that God is going to bless you and, and, and make, that's a, that was a promise that God made through Malachi to a group of people. What I'm saying is, is if you look at this, you see a character of, of, of God. And the character of God is that he wants to be tested and shown that he can do something. Whether it be this or something else. God wants a challenge. And that leads to the point that I really want to make today. I want us to have the audacity to ask. I want you to consider your expectations. We talked about having great expectations for this year. Have you set your expectations a little bit lower? I'm I'm just hoping that one day I can go into the the produce section and lick my fingers to to get a bag open and not be judged. That's what my expectations are for 2021. Think about the things that we ask God. A considerable amount of time in our prayer is spent on menial things. And they might even be important to you. But And it's not that God doesn't want to help us in the small things. We have a lot of owie prayers. Right? You have owies, boo-boos. Right? You have a little kid, it's cute. Right? Kiss my boo-boo. It's, it's cute when they're, when they're two years old, they come up and want you to kiss their boo-boo. If Alec comes up to, you know, and wants, wants mom and dad to kiss his boo-boos now, we're going to start wondering. Right? There's a point at which we grow past it. And, and as Christians... We're praying to God for God to kiss our boo-boos. God's like, at some point, we need to go past the boo-boos. That was fine when you were like, you know, you were just baptized and you were new to the whole thing. We need to move past the boo-boos. Or we have generalities. You heard this one? Pray that I'll have a good day at school. A good day at work. What does that mean? What does that mean? Does that even mean anything? Or is that just a filler? We, we, we do that. Like, it's like, what, what is a good day tomorrow at school going to look like? Is there a test that you have that you're like really nervous about? Or, or what is a good day going to look like? Can you? God doesn't know what he's working with. What is, God wants to know what he's dealing with there. What do you actually want God to do in your good day at work? 
Is there like a special task that you really don't know how you're going to get done? That's the, okay. That's not a boo boo. That's not owie. That's that's something a little bit bigger. Like I have a lot that could hang on this particular thing that we're trying. Okay, that's that's something a little bit bigger. But be specific. God doesn't know what a big day is. What's a good day? We I might not even know what it means. It's just like filler words. Be specific. Give God something to work with. Be with us. Dear God, be with us. You are baptized into Christ. You receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He's with you. Period. You don't have to pray for that. It's there. Already answered. Move on. What does that mean? Be be with us. Okay. What do you want him to do with you? He's with you. He's not there to sit back and watch TV. He's in you for a reason. What do you want him to do? Give him a task. God wants to be tested. Test me and see. Give him a task. Dear God, I pray that this food will nourish our bodies. Does it have carbohydrates, proteins, and lipids? It will do the task. It's going, you don't need to pray that. It's God made it to do that. It's going to nourish your body. If you have like three ap, you know, cherry apple pies, God is not going to turn it to carrots. <laughs> it will not nourish your bodies. All right? So, so we can move past the little prayers. Let's give God a challenge. Have the audacity to ask for big things. I wonder if sometimes we we don't ask the big things because we're afraid of no. We began talking, you know, that it might seem disrespectful. Does this is this disrespectful of God to have great expectations? Much to the contrary, it's my opinion that not having expectations of God is what's disrespectful. Because I tell God, God, I don't think you can actually handle this task. So I'm going to just do this on my own. You know what a sock person is? Who knows what a sock person is? It must be a colloquialism that I, I heard. We used to have preachers would ask us to move. Right? It was like, oh, it's the preacher that's coming. No, just kidding. Um, the preacher would ask it, and, and a, this is back before internet. See, so it's not if a preacher now asks you to move, all this stuff is on the on the computer. So that's not too bad. But preachers, man, and we had one, and he moved down. He moved back to our congregation, and then moved down again. So we ended up like like four times with this one guy, and he had a library. I mean, like he had like one or two rooms devoted to his library. That's a lot of books, right? And so so he's like, oh no, moving preachers is the worst thing. Because you got all those books. Now it's easy. It's just say, hey, it's my computer. But, um, but, but everyone would come. The whole church would come and move it. Even with all those books, it ended up pretty fast. And little kids want to do something. Well, you got a dresser, right? So you unload the drawers. And little kids, they, well, you want to, don't want to hurt them. 
Don't, you don't want them to kind of get in the way. You want to give them something to do, so you give them a little sock drawer. Right? They're sock people. And they handle the sock drawer. There you go. Nice and light. And the sock people. And they're, they're little kids, little five-year-old kid. Help and move. God doesn't want to be sock people. God doesn't want to just handle my little light stuff and God walking around. I handled this boo-boo today. That, that's not what God wants. That's disrespectful to, to think of God as somebody that you just try to keep out of the way. Just trying to give him something to do so he feels a little useful in my life, but he's there, but doesn't have too much responsibility because I don't want to mess some stuff up. So I kind of got my life the way I like it. So here's my sock drawer. I want to go back in time. Because we, we read a great recitation of history. As David looks at things. And I want to look at... We're not going to run through the verses because these are all things that we know. I want to look at the things that were asked of God. Just a few. Impossible things. What is more impossible than when God says... This is what's going to happen. And you go, could you not do that? That's impossible. God says, no, I'm going to do this. This was a, God, I know you said this is the way things are going to be. Can we switch things up? I, I, that's impossible, right? That's impossible. So, so David asks, we know the story of David and Bathsheba. And God says, well, I'm going to, I'm, that child is going to die. And David fasts and prays for that child. To not die. God says, no, the child's going to die. Or Abraham. Abraham asks for Sodom not to be... Why? I don't know. But that's the kind of guy Abraham was. God said, listen, I'm destroying Sodom. I'm destroying Gomorrah, and that's that. And he asks for... No, God, what about this? What, 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 and he, not just once, but he's like trying to bargain with God. Jesus, having known from creation the plan of salvation, what it was going to entail, having known that that's actually the reason he's on the planet in the first place, the night before goes, Father, I'm just thinking, if there was like a different way, that we could do this. He said, now Andrew, you just told me three things in which were impossible that God said no to. You're kind of defeating your point. Right? Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. Yeah. All these things got no. They got no. The baby died and Jesus had to die. Those were no's. It seems like you're contradicting your Contradicting your point. The question is, why were these things asked? Why did these people ask God to change his mind and do something impossible? That's God's, <laughs> that's not customary. Well, maybe it's because 
God said, I'm going to destroy the Israelites, Moses. And Moses said, could you not? Okay. Whoa. God changed his mind. Maybe because Amos, many years later, God says, I'm going to destroy the Israelites. Amos said, could you not? Okay. Wow. It worked. Maybe because God came to Manasseh and said, you're dying, get ready. Manasseh said, could you give me a couple of more years? Okay, here's 15 more years. Well, I didn't expect that. Just thought I'd ask for something. Get it, what do you know? I mean, if that's not impossible, what is I mean, what's impossible? When God says something and he changes his mind, that's impossible. Because God knows what he wants to do. And people ask for big things. They ask for God to do impossible things, like change his mind. And he did so. So, hey, maybe there's another plan of salvation out there. Why not ask for it? We here have asked for big things. Just over the last couple of years. We've had someone with heart cancer. I've told that story a couple of people. They're like, what's heart cancer? People don't even know what that is. Clean bill of health. That's big. I think sometimes it's good for us to do what David did. And have a little recitation of recent history. Magdalene Benson had a brother who had a double lung transplant. I don't know if you know what that means, but that means you've got no lungs. And then you've got a new set. It's not like you have four or five of them hanging around. You can do without two of them. A double lung transplant. I mean, a lot can go wrong there. Clean bill of health. I mean, a year ago this time, what was it, a year ago? We had an elder that was leaving. Not knowing, remember that whole not knowing what 2020 was going to be? That's turned out differently and no small thing. God knew. God knew that we were going to need Mike here to help with some major, major transition that was completely unforeseen. God does big things. God says, I got, I've, I've got COVID under control. I already broke my resolution. I wasn't going to use that word this year. Third, third, I broke it, sorry. God's got big things under control. He wants to be challenged in his job. As creator of the universe, I don't think that there is a task you can put on his table that he is unqualified and uneducated and unequipped to handle. (laughs) He's pretty much got all the tools in his drawer for any task. So we've asked for some incredibly difficult things. 
And so what I want to challenge us to do is to start asking for impossible things. I don't know what those impossible things are. You might have a person that you think can't be convinced. We're not talking about always. Here's a person I don't think they would ever listen to. I don't know that God's going to make people become Christians. That's not what I'm saying. I don't think he works that way. Maybe you just need an opportunity to share. I don't see how I have an opportunity to share. Or maybe you kind of know you do, but maybe the, the problem's not with the opportunity. Maybe sometimes you don't recognize the opportunity to share. Or maybe you all that is not a problem, but it's like, God, it seems impossible for me to open my mouth. Different people have difficult things doing. I mean, some, one person sees it, it's no problem. This seems impossible to me. Ask God for some impossible things. Ask for more than just simple things. Beyond the, the good day and, and, and the nice weather. And uh, the ordinary things that, that we seem to, you know, you can roll out of bed and, and ask for those things without even turning on the switch for the day. <laughs> you might have gone through a lot of change last year. Or you might be prepared for a lot of change this year. We have no idea, right? Because things aren't going back to normal. There's always a new normal. That's that's been the truth in any any generation. Ask people in, you know, 1920, if if things changed. And and they thought that things were going to go back to the way they were in 1921. No, no. things are different. And maybe whatever the change is that you see coming or or you're going to, you feel unequal to the task. God, I can't handle this. Maybe that's what you need. God, I need help. This is, I don't just need a good day. I, I need this thing. And I don't know how to do it. Be specific with God. Now lay it out for yourself, for God. I don't know. I, I, I see this and I see this and I don't know how to bridge this gap. There are all sorts of things that we have issues with. There's kids, there's marriages, there's, there's big stuff. Ask God for big things and impossible things. Have the audacity to ask. We're going to conclude. Let's stand and say together.